Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, what does God's kindness look like? At some point in our lives, it's a question that we'll, we all ask. Whether we think there's a God or not, it's a question we ask. Because, uh, and it's an important question to think about. If God were to be kind to you, what would that look like? Well, let's think of some options together. Uh, I was chatting with someone about this question earlier on this afternoon. Our answers, perhaps money, perhaps um, security, perhaps a job, perhaps um, the things in life that give us security, I think they do boil down to that, that we have security in this life. I think if we were to ask a lot of people that question, and we were to hear their answers, I think that would be the common thread. Uh, security in this life. And actually, <laughs> security in this life without God. Because you can have those things without God. And um, we'll be thinking about this question as we get into this book, uh, the book of Ruth. And the narrator opens with these words... He says, in the days when the judges ruled. Well, this tells us that God's people are in the promised land, the land that he promised them, but inhabitants of that land had not been driven out. And as God has commanded, they'd been allowed to stay and that had brought disastrous effects. Instead of being a distinct nation, living under God's rule, They'd become just like their neighbours and they'd adopted pagan worship and immorality. The book ends in Judges with these words, they're on the screen. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Well, I think uh, this kind of description, everyone doing what was right in their own eyes, could might well be a description of Dagenham or London. Where is God's kindness when you're in dark times? And I think the first thing we're going to learn from this story is that God's kindness is when we're going away from him. God's kindness is seen when we're going away from him. And uh, it's not just darkness in Judah, in Israel, but it's actually darkness in the family of Elimelech. We've read that opening to this story, haven't we? And the first time reading that, our tendency is to see the, the hardships, the, the visible hardships, um, famine, death. These are heavy things to face. But there is a greater darkness going on. And it's a family who have wandered far from God, his land and his people. They are in Moab. So every time the narrator uh, talks about this family, um, it says that they were from Bethlehem in Judah. They went to sojourn in the country of Moab. And then in verse 2 it says they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and it says they remained there. Now we know that the famine is what the family were trying to avoid. Makes sense. 
But what started as a temporary measure seems to have turned into a permanent fixture. And verse 3 tells us that they remained there. And life, well, it just happens, doesn't it? Years pass by, and we don't realise. And years pass by, and Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, dies. But Naomi still has her two sons. And there's joy again in the family as these sons take Moabite wives. Again, spelling that they're there for good. And ten years pass in verse... um, In verse 4, 10 years pass. And then in verse 5, the unthinkable happens. Naomi, Ruth and Orpah, the wives that the men had taken, they find themselves as three widows at two more funerals. It's one of those life-shifting moments where everything changes. And death really is the big game changer for all of us, isn't it? And death of a family member, that's big. Uh, we'll pick up what the, lady, what the women are feeling um, in just a moment. But let's keep with the action in verse 6. Naomi hears talk in the fields that there's bread back in Bethlehem, which, by the way, is called the house of bread. With this small reminder of home and a flicker of hope, and no doubt now haunting memories of Moab, It's no wonder Naomi decides to return. There really is no other choice. We've been seeing this, that God's kindness is when we're going the wrong way. Naomi's conversation on the road reveals what she thinks the future holds for her in Bethlehem and in Moab for her daughters. So Hannah read that earlier. And uh, I put this first thing. This is... um, The first thing that we hear Naomi say again and again and again. It's there in verse uh, 8 down to verse 15. Turn back. Don't come with me, she says. Um, So this shows really that Naomi's, if if it's in terms of an economic choice... Naomi's thinking quite clearly. And she knows she'll be returning as the sole survivor of the family that left. And having lost all the men in her family, she knows she is destitute. With no sons or no prospect of descendants, the land she has will soon pass out of her family. Which is why she will later say, I went away full, but I came back empty. And this need for future security is why Naomi tries to persuade the daughters it's better in Moab. She says that four times. So it's there in verse 8. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you, to her mother's house. It's there in verse 11. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? It's there in verse 12. Turn back, go your way, for I'm too old. And it's there in verse 15. See, Orpah has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return with her after, her, after your sister-in-law. Um, she, the only option Naomi sees for 
the, the sisters, the daughters-in-law, is to find a husband and stay in Moab. And she knows the land she has, she can't just sign over to them. And even if she could, it's a, it's a bit like our allotment. Um, it hasn't been worked for years. And it would need a whole workforce to run. It's not in a good state. It's been left. And the daughters have been kind to Naomi, so she loves them. But she knows that people in Israel might not be so understanding. They might show some compassion to Naomi as an Israelite, but the girls would be despised as outsiders. Uh, Before we move on from this, uh, it's worth noticing the second thing Naomi repeatedly says about her situation is this. She says, the Lord has done this. She's really clear on that. She says it five times. First time she says it to the daughter, uh, to the daughters. Um, yeah, she says it to the daughters and then four times later on uh, in verse 20 and 21. Uh, she, she says in the, at the end of verse 13, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Um, So she knows that the Lord has done this. And that's surprising, isn't it? Because most people today, on hearing suffering like this, on this scale, would be saying, "Just, just what I thought. How can you say that God is in control now? How can you say that? And Naomi is living proof, if you want it, that God doesn't offer immunity to anyone. But actually, Naomi isn't questioning God's control. In fact, it's what she talks most about. The tragic situation she finds herself in must and can only be the Lord's doing. Naomi knows it is God who has brought her back. But she doesn't see that as a good thing. She sees it as God's judgment on her. The Lord's hand, in verse um, 21, I think it is, uh, the Lord's hand has the Lord has testified against me. She sees this as God's judgment, and really, when hard times come for Christians, that's one of the things that comes quickly afterwards: is that feeling of God's against me. Um, and I think that's actually why her outlook for herself, even of being back in the land, is so bleak. If God is against her, then being back in the land, that won't be any better. <laughs> because I'm his enemy. He's against me. He's getting me back. Um, so although we've seen that God's kindness uh, is for those who are heading away from him to bring, to bring them back, Naomi, isn't, at this point in the story, is just not seeing that. She can't see it. (laughs) Um, And the second thing we're going to look at is the fact that God brings that kindness into the life of Ruth. So that's the second thing we're going to see. God's kindness in Ruth. A Moabite. Um, It's really interesting. Like Whenever you hear about Ruth in the book of Ruth, she's Ruth the Moabite. 
clear. She's, her, she's very much her identity is a Moabite. And Moab was uh, back when Lot's daughters uh, tricked him, or when he was asleep. Um, they didn't trust that God could provide husband, uh, husbands and sons for them. So they made their, when the father was sleeping, they slept with him. And then these, the, the Moabites were from that. So this has always been in Israel's history and in uh, the times we've been reading about in Judges, their enemies, <laughs> their sworn enemies, the people that they think, oh God, ugh, the Moabites. Not far from them, but they absolutely loathe them. And um, Ruth is a Moabite. And we see that God's kindness is a work to an outsider. Through, she's had the same ordeal as, Ruth, as Naomi, hasn't she? She's lost her husband of ten years. She's had the same ordeal. But God has been at work to help her to see that going back to Moab is the wrong choice. She might not fully understand who God is yet. But she's, she's on the way there. Ruth sees God as the one who can bring these things into our lives. And Ruth clings to Naomi, and in doing so, she entrusts her whole future in the hands of Naomi's God. It is a, an amazing act of faith and trust. She places her whole future, considering the circumstances, considering Naomi wanting to just discourage her and trying everything to discourage her, Ruth says, I'm going with you and your God. Despite all Naomi's discouragement, Ruth is going back to Bethlehem with her. And it comes through in her jaw-dropping pledge. I call it the Pledge of Kindness. In verse 16 and 17, she says, Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. If you look back through all the times when Naomi tried to discourage Ruth, these were the things she was telling her to go back to. Go back to your mother's house. Go back to your people, to your God. But Ruth is saying, your house, your people, your God. She, she, she makes that clear. And actually, Ruth adds, adds something onto the list. Um, she... She makes her pledge binding to death. Uh, And she says, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And later she repeats it. She says, the Lord do so to me, and more, if anything but death parts me from you. From one widow to another. This isn't throwaway comments. This isn't like... uh, (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm going to stay with you till death. We sometimes say that, don't we? Maybe not. This is from one widow to another and she's saying, she's talking about death, and she's saying, I'm sticking with you. Um, So it is a remarkable pledge and it shows that God is helping her to understand that Moab is the wrong choice. She needs to go to her back with Naomi. And we'll see more of this as the book unfolds. But this is actually covenant commitment. 
Uh, it's why people love Ruth's words being read at the weddings. You might have heard that before. It's the stuff of covenant faithfulness. The Moabite, the outsider, is making a covenant, saying, I promise, I'm going to keep my promise. And that is really remarkable, coming from someone who wouldn't have called themselves one of God's people, coming from a nation outside of God's people. So God is bringing about his kindness in Ruth, who's a Moabite. And this would have been a big shock uh, for any Jews because actually they might have been expecting God to be kind to the nations and to save them but the idea that God's kindness is going to come to them through these nations is just a different dimension. Isn't it? It's like God's going to be kind to us through these nations And he's going to bring about his salvation through them. Uh, It's a big thing. Uh, We'll see more of Ruth next week. And actually, Naomi really, for now, she doesn't get any immediate answers. Um, It doesn't seem like everything's working out. And actually... For the next chapter, she seems to slip into the background. And we'll mainly see God's redeeming kindness towards Ruth and through Ruth. Um, so we'll see that at work in, in, a few, uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, but for now, what can we be taking home from this opening scene? And I guess, um, I just wanted to show you the whole picture. I thought it was a nice picture. Um, uh, if, you're, if you're new here it's great to have you here and you might have tended to say that God can't be kind to you uh, when bad things happen and it will come as a surprise maybe to hear that God puts such things across our path and God's kindness isn't to provide the long life that's enjoyed without him But his kindness is to show us we're heading away from him. And that's why I put this U-turn around. Sometimes it takes uh, life-changing moments to see that our security is in the wrong place. If our security isn't God himself, then it can be taken away from us. Uh, uh, Romans 2 verse 4 says God's kindness leads to repentance. And the, the word that's used for return all the way through this. I mean, if you read verses uh, 6 to 15, or maybe even further, and count the number of times return is said, that same word, sub, I think it is, the prophets used for repentance. So it's exactly the same word, um, to repent. We need to turn away from the things that we were finding security in, and we need to turn to God. And he's kind to do that. Because there's a good reason why he is our security. The future that God has promised is a kingdom under his rule, with him as king. And it would be really unkind for him to leave us completely unprepared for that.
Instead, God does what is necessary to wake us up and to bring us back. He does that for Naomi. He does that for Ruth. And um, uh, this is the alternative, I think. Orpah, she goes back. Goes back to the life that she had. And we don't hear anything more of her. Turn around or turn back. Um, If you're sort of keen on uh, meetings and services and perhaps religious activities, which I guess lots of us are, it's so easy for the focus to be on what we do and God doing the rest. A bit like this guy on the ladder. But we see here that neither of the women were looking to return. Were they? They weren't looking to return. And we can tell if that's us because we'll get offended when God brings in the unlovable. The people from Moab. And when he puts them to use in his kingdom, we'll start to get angry. But this is what God has always been about. Jesus said, I have not come to call the healthy, but the sick. And the truth is, Naomi, who would have thought of herself as being automatically in the club, she needed rescue too. Uh, What if we're Christian? The challenge here is that Naomi didn't do amazing evangelism. In fact, you could say that she did anti-evangelism. But God was out to save Ruth. And God can save anyone he wants to. Uh, We'll need this in our mind this week as we speak uh, to many people who are outside of God's kingdom. Will we trust him to save them? Will we ask him to save them? Will we love God for his radical kindness towards us and towards people who don't yet know him? Uh, Well, if you look down at verse 22, we're back with the narrator. And all good, all good box sets rely on a cliffhanger. And here we have a tantalising suggestion of what may lie around the corner to keep us binging on roof. But I think verse 2 is doing more than just that. I think it's training us as a reader to look for what God is doing behind the scenes. He doesn't give much of a mention other than what people say he's doing in this chapter. But we hear these words. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. You interested to find out what that might mean? What that, you know? Um, The time of their return just so happens to coincide with the beginning of the barley harvest, and God has already. And brought a solution to Naomi's destitution, really. Um, but there's way more that he's going to do for her and for Ruth. And so I hope you come back next week and uh, we'll look at chapter 2 together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your radical kindness. It doesn't wait uh, for us to. Um, to have uh, the right idea about what you are doing. Thank you that you uh, bring us to you 
and to a relationship with you, to see that you are the security and the one that has made us and has the best for us. So thank you that you do that uh, for each person uh, when they see their need to return, when they repent. And thank you uh, for your radical kindness that bursts out to, to new horizons, to new places. Thank you for bringing Ruth in for your purposes. Thank you for your love for outsiders. Pray for us this week that we would be uh, those who would speak about you and speak about your kindness towards us. Amen. Amen. Um, sorry, I didn't give you a chance to pray. Um, would you like a chance to pray? Quietly? Should we do it? Um, just a minute on your own. And, um, and then if you would like to ask some questions, we can do that as well. And Matilda's just arrived, so...